previously on the Infinite Escape Room. You hear cool cheers. If it's been in someone's trumpet for a whole gig, though, that's going to warm up very quickly. Maybe we need to say, I'm a tequila fiend. This has been a test to see if you hang on my every word, and so far I'm disappointed. Hello and welcome to the Infinite Escape Room, the puzzling podcast where a group of geographically diverse pals meet up, have a drink or two, and work together to solve a homemade escape room of the ears. I'm your host, Jamie, aka the Armchair Escapist, aka Good God Man, this is a post office. <laughs> and tonight I'm drinking a a Boss Brewing Company's Boss Brave, brewed in Swansea. How is it? It is delicious. Uh, it's a nice five and a half percent Welsh IPA. And it is bloody lovely. What, what's distinct about a Welsh IPA? It's brewed in Swansea. Decent water. Using the, <laughs> the, the, the runoff from Port Talbot's uh, various refineries. Gives it that nice, <laughs> lush, luminous glow in the night. And locked in with me tonight, we have... Uh, I'm Alid, and I'm drinking orange squash. Nice and boring. It's a weeknight. Is it a Robinson's dealy, or are you going rogue? Gone rogue. Tesco, double strength. <laughs> double strength, whoa. <laughs> Not even watered down. And I'm Ben Lady-Griffiths, and uh, this week I'm drinking a Glencare Treasures Caribbean rum, um, which is um, a, bit, a, bit, <laughs> a bit too vigorous a slip sip uh, than I meant to say. Uh, this was um, given to me by uh, our good friends Chris and Biz um, as a present, so um, it's very delicious. Thank you very much. It's a gorgeous colour as well. Very nice. And I'm Riggedy Diggedy Mike Collins, and I am drinking a Squirrel Summer Way. No, no, that's what's written on the side of the can. I'm actually drinking a velvet cake, a Brewdog velvet cake. It's a pecan salted caramel stout, uh, which I couldn't really turn down on my last Brewdog order. Thought I'd give it a go. And actually, it's very drinkable. It's not too sweet. It's actually quite heavy on the pecan which is quite nice. It's quite nutty, quite oaty, um, and just generally very, very pleasant. I'm enjoying this a lot more than I thought would, you know, than I thought I otherwise would, a novelty beer. So yes, 10 out of 10, Brewdog. Good job. I always get suspicious when I hear stouts that have the same flavours as milkshakes. You'd have a pecan salted caramel milk. Actually, no, that sounds... Yeah, okay. It sounds pretty banging, <laughs> but like in a, in a milkshake, yeah, fine, but in a stout, I'm like, hang on a second, that sounds very bizarre. Well, normally they could just crank in like the sugar and the artificial sweeteners, don't they? And then mm. it's just kind of like a cloying mess of like thirteen percent. This is going to sound really weird, but can you can you taste the crumb of the cake? Can you chew it? Because like I've had I've had so I've had coffee porters and coffee stouts before, and like you can almost taste the grind of the coffee. Um, it, there's no there's no grind in it, but uh, you can almost taste it. In a word, no. <laughs> I, could, I could I could be like Ben. My palate is so refined, you wouldn't even believe. Taste the crumb of the cake. I can taste the the flour that goes into the crumbs to base. <laughs> yeah, I, I I can taste the backsplash on the baker's apron from going to the toilet before you bake the cake. That's how refined my palate is. But no, I can't. I just taste delicious beer. Before we begin, I'd like to give a huge thank you to our Patreons for their continued support. And I'd like to give a special how do you do to two of our supporters in particular, Will Ryder and Delana Andrews. Thanks very much to both of you for keeping us off the streets and on the air. So, what is the Infinite Escape Room? 
It's much like the escape rooms you're used to seeing in the real world, but this one stretches across all known themes, dimensions, and multiverses. Every room in the infinite escape room links seamlessly into the next in one big, never-ending escape experience adventure. Each week, one of us will present a part of the infinite escape room while the others try to solve it. This week, it is me providing the room and my good fine friends here providing the brains. If they don't escape within 30 minutes, then they will lose and not very nice things will happen to them. And if they break anything they're not supposed to, they will lose their deposit, which this week is your ability to not perceive your own nose. That that may not be a bad thing right now. (laughs) I'm very aware of my nose now you've said that, Jamie. That's actually very distracting. Yeah, it freaked me out when someone said that you can always see it, just your brain filters it out because it's always there. Like a natural notch that has always been there. <laughs> You'll just suddenly be like, oh, fuck. Alan's been trying alternative methods for getting rid of his nose through physical means. So, gentlemen, I'll be ready. Yes. Yes. Indeedly. Then let's enter the Infinite Escape Room. Last time. On the Infinite Escape Room, you escaped from an underground speakeasy by transforming it into an innocent-looking underground games workshop, bursting out into the open air to find the sycophants of your new cult carting away the garden centre Father Christmases away in chains. In your great name, they have cancelled science. And Christmas. Knowing that the death of science will lead to the collapse of civilization, such as people being paid in crayons, vaccines being replaced with a swift punch in the face, and generally just more fucking goggle box on the TV, you spring into action to try and solve it. Wading through the growing crowd of cultists as they chant, Death to Christmas! Death to science! What time is goggle box on? You head towards a battered old building with a domed roof. As you walk up the stone steps to the front door, you see a little blue plaque on the wall saying that Sir Isaac Newton once lived here. Luckily, funding for our nation's historic places has gone to shit, so you find the door unlocked and you deftly walk in. What you see before you is Sir Isaac Newton's observatory, somehow perfectly preserved despite several decades of government cuts. The slightly tinny sounds of royalty-free generic festive music can be heard through the speakers mounted high up on the walls. You're in a cylindrical room with a large domed roof. To your left is a desk. Ahead of you is a diorama of Isaac Newton's discoveries, and to your right is a large telescope. Before you can ponder the room's contents any further, the door behind you clicks shut and locks itself. A sand timer attached to the door spins upside down and sand starts trickling to the bottom. At the same time, a single white beam of light from an unseen projector shoots across the room. You reckon you've got about half an hour to find help and get out before the sand timer runs down and potentially triggers the crossbows that are mounted above the door. Your time starts. Now, what would you like to do? I would like to agree with you about Cogglebox. Hmm. Excellent. It is a plague on society and the death of originality. Agreed. Watching people, watching TV, watching shows is just stupid. Funnily enough, I watch very, very, very little TV, but I do quite enjoy Cogglebox. Oh, Ben. (laughs) It's a celebration of mediocrity. I think because, in part, it allows me to watch little bits of TV from the week in half an hour, and I'm I'm happy (laughs) with that much TV. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I just don't get it. I like, uh, is it um, Sproggle Box with the kids? That's, oh, Jesus that's Christ. In other news, can we have a look at the telescope? Yes, you certainly can. I. Thank you for uh, bringing us back. <laughs> so it's an ornate, almost steampunk-looking contraption. Uh, it's mounted on a rotating platform that lets you move it any which way you want. And there's a little note attached to the viewport. In very neat cursive, it says, 
To send a message to the stars, orient the telescope to the desired location, and pull the lever. What are our... Um uh, so, are there any kind of controls that we can see to orient it? Um, so, it's um, it's sort of like a saddle thing. You sit down and you can pull a bunch of levers to move, maneuver the the telescope around. Oh, up, down, cool. left, right, okay. swivel. A ride-on telescope. Nice. It is, but this one's free. I like the idea. It's like a pound one that you put in the supermarket. You just occupy your kid, plays the placement <laughs> pat theme or something. <laughs> <laughs> Alad, you're good at bringing us back on topic. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the beam of light you said was shining. Mm-hmm. Is there any way of orientating the telescope so that the beam of light enters it? You, uh, so you sit at the controls, you start to manoeuvre the telescope. The telescope itself doesn't move position, it just rotates and goes up and down. But you notice that as the telescope moves, the domed roof starts to shift and shudder. There's a little observation window uh, in the roof itself that moves along with the telescope, so the telescope is always pointing at a patch of night sky. The The roof itself is sort of segmented, um, almost like a mosaic, so it can do this cool shifting um, window opening sequence. And when you look at the roof as well, uh, it looks like it's got constellations painted across the entire of the inside of the dome. So this, the, sorry, the shaft of light. Where is it? It's coming in through whatever the hole is currently open in the roof and shooting down to the ground. The shaft of light is sort of coming in in a hor- horizontally from somewhere in the room, directly ah. across the middle of the room. So you can't move the telescope to interact with that beam of light. I see, Jamie. I see. Can I investigate the source of your shaft, please? Oh my of light. <laughs> you certainly can. Um, you try to find where it's coming from, and it seems to be like a projector buried deep in a wall somewhere. You can't actually get to where the beam of light is uh, is coming from. But what you can see is uh, it's where it's aimed at, and it's pointed towards the the diorama of Isaac Newton and his discoveries. So, just very briefly for my diagram, are we? Uh, does the shaft begin near the door? Yes. Wonderful. Yes, the origin is somewhere within that area. Can we have a look at the diorama, please? Certainly. Um, so the diorama tries to unsuccessfully lump all of Isaac Newton's major discoveries into one display. Uh, there's a, a mannequin of Sir Isaac Newton uh, stood next to a chalkboard, sort of mid-pose, as if he's going to do something very clever. The chalkboard itself is one of those flippy reversible ones you see in films about wanky colleges. Um, the, the board is laid out in like an 8x8 eight eight grid. And it shows a map of a typical 17th century region. Uh, There's a single town marked in every single square. Some of the towns are written in black ink, some are in uh, in white ink, some are written in blue ink. And the beam of light from the other side of the room is currently hitting the dead centre of the chalkboard. Um, I will put a picture of the map into the chat for you. It says there's a blackboard and there's black ink on it. It's pretty... uh... I'm guessing it's one of those green blackboards. Yes. Or was there green writing as well? <laughs> I was just thinking I was just thinking accessibility really. I was like, oh, what about anybody who's colorblind? This would be terrible. Yeah, isn't not known for his uh care for other people. I mean, and that's also probably why they're listening to a podcast. You know, if you're if you're a colorblind escape room solver who finds stuff against a lot of color, you know, audio is a great way to to solve colours. <laughs> there you go. It is in the chat for you. Oh. Oh my word. Another high quality uh, asset from uh, from Jamie. So, um, as Jamie uh, alluded to, there is a uh, an eight by eight. I'm not going to count. I'm going to take it for his word. Grid um, 
we have uh, sort of a number of uh, mountain ranges. The first thing that popped into my head was some of uh, Tolkien's maps from Lord of the Rings. That's sort of what it um, reminds me of. And we've got a number of of um, towns in some of the squares. So um, uh, I won't say what square they're in, but let's go through them. We've got in written in black, Pawn's Forge. Uh, written in blue, Virgo. Uh, in white, Earl's Court. And the next line, white, Kingville. Uh, blue, Capricorn. Black Queensway, blue. Uh, next line down, blue Libra. Uh, black Castleton, black Kings Road. Next line down, white Bishopsgate, Queens Park, blue Scorpio, uh, black Viscount. That is the next line again now. Uh, blue Aries, uh, white Pawns Folly. Next line down in white still Rookwood, uh, in blue Cancer, uh, black Dukesville. Next line down in white, Dukem, in blue, Taurus, in black, Knightsbridge. And then the final row we have in black, Bishop's Grove, uh, blue, Gemini, and white, Princeton. And just to capture a few things on here as well so some of the some of those uh well all of the locations are marked with like a little circle on the map and some of those circles are in colored circles so king's road is in orange queen's park is in blue pawns follies in green rookwood is in purple knightsbridge is in red and bishop's grove is in yellow and i wonder if we've got a newton style um what's the word uh pendulum cover coming not pendulum uh, refracty, lighty, dickery do. Well, it's Maybe. interesting because if you look at the the blue dots are all star signs, and then your blacks and your white are all chess pieces, with the exception of an earl and a duke and a prince and a prince <laughs> all right, <fine. laughs> and a viscount. <laughs> well, they're sort of chess pieces, all right. They're sort of chess pieces, and it almost looks like a chessboard. I wonder if we have some sort of clever colour refracty. We have a beam of light. That was a big Newton thing, wasn't it? He he puts the it puts the shard upon its skin and then it gets the colours again. That's the, the thing. I wonder isn't it? where that quote came from. Yeah, yeah, they they, uh, they butchered Newton? it. Yeah, they butchered it in Silence of the Lambs. But the original <laughs> quote was from Isaac Newton. Um, it puts the shard I'm, I'm upon its skin. Utterly lost. Oh, sorry. It's it's an incredibly obscure and inaccurate reference I'm making. So you're, you're losing nothing at all. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I wonder if basically we need to find a, a, a lighty refracty doodad, a transparency lighty refracty doodad, to shine into this beam of light, which is pointing at the front of this, which may indicate something. So some sort of prismy thing. That's the sausage. Shall we inspect the desk? You certainly can. Uh, so the desk itself is stuffed full of scientific equipment and paraphernalia. There's Bunsen burners, there's beakers, there's flasks, there's those little glass tubes that do the loop-de-loop for no reason, all the kind of stuff you'd see in a, a chemistry lab or a really shit meth lab. And then uh, fixed <laughs> to the surface of the desk is a chessboard, uh, the pieces of which are scattered around the desk. I see. Uh, does, do the pieces look uh, standard pieces? Uh, they do, yes. Yeah. So the chessboard and the chess pieces are all made of wood. Um, the board itself is nailed to the desk, so it won't budge. It's got your standard black and white squares, letters A through H going um, up the left-hand side of the board, numbers 1 through 8 going across the bottom. Um, it looks like you've got enough pieces to fill a full chess set. Have we got pieces that will match? So we should have one white pawn, one black pawn in theory, at least. Okay, could we get a black pawn, please, onto... Oh, sorry, so uh, horizontal axis is E3. letters, vertical axis is numbers? Horizontal letters, vertical numbers, yeah. Okay, so 
it would be one A or sorry, uh, one C. Uh, could we get a pawn onto? Oh, have I got this wrong? Around, a, a starts in the bottom left, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, so, so A through H across the bottom. I misspoke earlier. Oh, A through H across okay. the bottom, 1 through 8 up the top. So B8 then. C8, so C8, yeah. Yeah, so could we, could we, could we put a pawn into C8? A black pawn. A uh, black, black pawn. Um, could we get a black queen into H7? No. Uh, yeah, <laughs> something 7. H7? A B C. Is that you were thinking about for the Earl or the Queen? H no. For Queensway. Yeah, I'm up for that. Oh, it's all right. Or is it H? Yes, H seven, isn't it? That's Earl's court, isn't it? No, that's H eight. No, that's G eight. That that's um I eight. No, that's that's something. Words sausages. Yes, if you're looking at the grid reference, Earl's court is G eight. Queensway is H seven. Sorry, I'm still going by the original A to H up the side. Let me scribble that out. Okay, uh, could we get a, a black castle, please, on B6? Thank you. And a black king on F6. F6. That's the one. Thank you. I forgot the alphabet. <laughs> and then yep. I guess a black bishop on um, B1. B1. And a black knight then on. A black knight? F2. Where's the knight? Oh, yeah, you're right. Knightsbridge. So what do we want to do about Dukesville and Viscount? So I've been trying to write these down, and I've gotten uh, to D7, and uh, you went a bit fast for me from there. <laughs> um, I, so far, you've put all those pieces on those different um, squares on the chessboard, and nothing's happened. D7. Do we, we do Castleton? Yes. Uh, B... B6. B7. To be fair, we've only done the black pieces so far, we've not done the white pieces, so we could do uh, the white king on um, d7. We could do the white bishop on b5. We could do the white queen on e5. And we could do the white pawn on um, f4. And then the white rook on a3. A3, yep. And then, yeah, So that should be... What the heck are we doing about these dukes, princes, and stuff yes. that falls in between the cracks? So far, you've put those pieces on those uh, chess squares, and nothing happens. So my thinking, the reason why I'm trying to write it down is that I'm just wondering whether we get a pattern in either the letters or the numbers, or both. Oh, um, yeah. So I'm just... Bear with me while I... To be fair as well, I'm, I'm kind of ignoring the refracty doodad, because, of course, we've got these spots of colour on some of these pieces. So we've got spots of colour on Kings Road, Queen's Park, Pawns Folly, Rookwood, Knightsbridge and Bishop's Grove. Oh. We may already have a refracty doodad in place with our beam of light, in which case maybe we just need those pieces. Could we um, more closely inspect the Black King, please? It is a Black King. It's uh, Anything on the bottom of it? or uh, Nothing at all. It's not even the bit of felt that you used to get at the bottom of school chess pieces. Nothing. It's just solid wood. Okay, I was just wondering whether that would have maybe like something orange on it, for instance. Mm. Uh, no, just a plain old chess piece. Hold on a second. So the squares that have got coloured dots in them are A3, B1, E5, F2, 3, and 6? Uh, yep. If you drew... If, you, if that was a constellation of stars, 
Doesn't that look a lot like the Big Dipper? Oh, Allard. Oh, yeah, so it does. I think you're onto something there. What, um... I will tell you now that is a coincidence. (laughs) (laughs) A bloody well spotted. But it might be worth... uh, If we look... You said there was constellations on the uh, ceiling... If we look at the pattern on <clears throat> of those um, splodges on the map, and then we look upwards, uh, do we see anything that looks similar to that? There is nothing on that board that matches what's currently in the night sky. Um, and you can see which constellations are, are, are there, uh, because where the constellations are painted, the names are written under each of those. Uh, so nothing that you can see in terms of patterns matches what's up there. You have 15 minutes remaining. I have an idea, but it's going to take me a second to plan it out. But basically, what if there's something significant about... So if we, we return to... Um, our diorama had um, uh, the colours refracting over some of the um, some of our pieces uh, or, some, or some of the names of the places which we're kind of we're, um, mapping up with the pieces. Uh, maybe there's an order to doing it. So maybe we do them in red, yellow, green, uh, blue, indigo, violet. Um, so basically do it in kind of spectrum order. At the moment, the the beam of light is still currently a solid white in the centre of the board. Oh, okay. Because I'm looking at this map and it looks like it's got little coloured dots over it. Um, <clears throat> the Can we just have another description of the desk, please, in case it was... I, I remember there being stuff, but I didn't note them down. Lots of set dressing plus the chessboard, effectively. Lovely. Okay. Hmm. Is there anything in the room we haven't inspected yet? There's one thing that you've glanced at, but you've not looked at properly. Is it a flat projector? Uh, nothing on the desk. Uh, the, the only thing you've not really looked at is the mannequin. Oh, I thought uh, it was mannequin. Yes. Uh, would you like to? Yes, please. Uh, so, on close inspection of the mannequin, uh, you can see that it is somebody's rushed attempt at lumping all of Isaac Newton's uh, accomplishments into one display. So, there's a plastic ha- apple fixed to the top of his head. There's a Newton's cradle stuffed in his pocket. He's holding a glass prism in his hand. Um, uh. He's also wearing a T-shirt uh, showing the cover art for Pink Floyd's The Dark Side of the Moon. Uh, but strangely, the reflected light from the prism in that picture only shows four colours. And I will put that also into the chat for you. Oh, that's a classic album cover and I think I ascribed it to Pendulum wrongly earlier for which I apologise <laughs> also can we grab that prism and can we stick that flubber mica uh, into our beam of light please in the diorama you do so you hold the prism up to the beam of light it immediately reflect, refracts um, into four colours not six and those colours are the ones on the t-shirt red yellow green and purple and those light, those colours land on their respective colour spots on the map so we've caught that, but obviously nothing's happened. We've got the the uh, the T-shirt um, splits into the four colours: um, red, yellow, green, and purple. Um, and presumably, so did you say they were the same colours that the as the, we split into um, on the map now? Yes, only four of the six colours um, appear in light on the map, which would be red, yellow, green, and purple. That is correct. So that gives us uh, red is uh, Knightsbridge, uh, yellow is Bishop's Grove. Um, we've got green is Pawn's Folly, um, and uh, purple is Rookwood. Rookwood. Uh, yep. What we haven't got is a blue light. Well, we've already placed all of the chess pieces that we'd seen that we kind of mapped the diorama onto the chessboard. So why don't we take all of the rest off apart from the knight, the bishop, the pawn, and the rook and see if anything happens? Yeah. Sure. So you remove the the knight from 
uh, f2, the bishop from b1, the pawn from f4. Oh, no, other way around. I think uh, remove yeah, everything, no, everything except... Oh, so you can, so you're keeping those four pieces yes. on the board, yeah? Um, so you take off the remaining two pieces, and as you do, you see a little light start to glow on the chessboard, coming from square e7. We didn't have any... C- e- uh, Capricorn. A, B, C, D, E. That's Capricorn. Huh. Oh, so can we look at the... Um, Constellations of us, and um, Capricorn's a constellation, isn't it? It is. Uh, yeah, Capricorn is indeed uh, painted on the dome ceiling. Can we um, manoeuvre the telescope to look at uh, Capricorn and um, pull the lever? The note mentioned a lever. I presume the lever is going to be obvious to us. Yes. Um, so you rotate the telescope so it points towards where the Capricorn constellation is painted on the dome roof. As you do, those segmented roof tiles shift and move with you so that where the painted constellation was now sits an observation window and a cloudless patch of night sky. And with a whopping nine minutes to go, you pull the lever on the telescope as it points towards the constellation of Capricorn. As you do, you hear piped through the speakers the opening melody of Christopher's A Spaceman Came Traveling as a beam of light shoots out of the telescope and into the night sky. The metal segments of the roof begin to open up like a convertible car, opening up the entire observatory to the cold December air. After a few seconds, you notice one of the stars shining brighter than the others. This must be the Christmas star that you've summoned to save Christmas. The star gets brighter and brighter as the once inky black sky begins to turn to daylight. Then you see that it's not a star at all. It's a giant set of interlocking, burning wheels with eyes on every conceivable surface. The observatory around you begins to melt away and you find yourself floating in a white void. The room, the town, and the enslaved Santa effigies now replaced with warm nothingness. And the last thing you hear before the light consumes your entire vision are the words. Be not afraid. And you have solved my puzzle. My God, <laughs> what an ending. That's a really good puzzle. That was, that that was, was really, really nice. Thanks, Jeff. I really like that. That was... Um, that was that was, that was on the surface, I thought it was going to be unbelievably complicated, and I'm dreading it. And then it was like, oh, he's, 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 oh, he's put lots of little things there for us to make us get the right answer. That's nice. I am, um, yeah. I, I challenge myself to try and make it not so to the wire like it, I've done in every other puzzle I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> and you could have had us for like another another eight minutes or so, like uh, stringing us along. <laughs> yeah. I, to be honest, I... Uh, when you said that, that the rest of the desk was set dressing, um, that was very kind of you because I think that my plan was to start going through even more of the desk. And um... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to be fair, the flask was glass, so I was like, well, glass will refract, so I could use that. I'd have gotten waylaid by that quite easily. <laughs> yeah, the, the initial version of the puzzle had the um, the constellations on the other side of the, the, the chalkboard, so the map and the constellations, you'd, you'd have to know to flip the thing around which might have been oh, a couple say, of minutes <laughs> you said that we could have flipped it and none of us did um that was bad of us no but that was my worry that like i would just offhandedly mention it and then that would be it and then i'd be like oh shit they haven't gone back to the chalkboard but as we were saying uh the other week uh, I'm, I'm sure you were there when we d- did john's uh, the zoo um and um uh, he was saying that Mike is really, really good at like mentioning things that you kind of just um, don't pay attention to because it's just like, oh, that's, you know, there's the blackboard. That it's can just turn. Mike blathering on shit. Um, <laughs> and and um, whenever anyone else does it, it's entirely obvious that, that, that that's what you've got to do. Um, but but yeah, no, that, that completely passed me by. And, uh, and that mannequin, was, that mannequin, like, I, mm. 
I missed the mannequin completely. I drew the mannequin. Like, it's just <laughs> a sick, sick mannequin. But outrageous, so outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really excellent puzzle. I really enjoyed it. Did we do anything you weren't expecting? I think, I think not wanting to, like, I don't want to say molest the mannequin, but I just did um, sort of interfere with it in various ways to wear its hat or, you know, and then by doing so, you find the uh, the prism and the other bits. I, I did do a, a minor boo-boo when I sent you that... Uh, that visual with the the coloured dots they weren't supposed to be there in that initial image I've got two versions uh, of the same thing. one with one without and as soon as I sent it ah oh, shit I can't unsend that now <laughs> they've seen it oh no <laughs> but it was f- a fine so out of interest then how would it have worked would would the prism have uh, split into all of these would have split colors? into all six colours I had to do some and, jiggery on the fly to make it work and then we'd had to have ah, uh, matched up with the colours on the t-shirt yeah yeah, but as it was, like, oh, they've kind of given the game away already. Balls. <laughs> well, you, you, you straight over us. You, uh, yeah, you got away with it. I think it added a, a slight um, uh, point of confusion, um, which I think worked in your favour. Um, <laughs> the other thing as well is um, when when I've on a couple of occasions done multi-layered things. Um, Whereby here's a map, and then um, oh, and here's the map again, but but with a mm. uh, updated. Um, I'm always, I'm never sure what one to put in the show notes. Yes, because do you give them everything so that they can kind of literally follow along, or do you just go here you go, which means that they can't do the bit before. Yeah, that's true. Um, you can't really gate it when you just post it into the description of the podcast. Exactly. Yeah. I tried to put enough fail-safes in there as well, just in case any of you didn't understand A, how prisons work, or B, how chess, what chess was. Because um, I'm yeah, painfully aware that I could have just been like, it's a chess set. And you would have all gone, I've never played that. That's a fucking nerds game. I'm into sport <laughs> and women. Oh, no. <laughs> God, it was a close-run thing there with this uh, with this crowd. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you, uh, you skinny your teeth. You, you guys are rock and roll, so I had to make sure that it was all laid out in front, you know. Uh, the, there was um, a bad ending, if you'd like to hear it. Yes. Mm. Yeah, go for it. So, yeah, in case you didn't get out in time, it would have said, <clears throat> The last grain of sand falls to the bottom of the sand timer, almost in slow motion. The two crossbows mounted to the door suddenly jerk to life and train themselves on you. Before the trigger can release, you clamber up the telescope apparatus and climb through the observation hole in the roof. You manage to haul yourself up there, but not quite appreciating the way the domed objects curve, you immediately begin to slide down the roof. As you reach the point of no return, you take a leap of faith and soar through the air for a brief moment before landing in the branches of a giant shopping centre Christmas tree. However, your relief soon soon turns to panic when you see that the Christmas tree is the centrepiece of a giant bonfire that your cultists are getting ready to ignite. And then when it kind of left... Ben and Shit Creek for next week. <laughs> well, um, if you, I was thinking, oh, actually, that sounds like a better ending for me uh, for, for, okay. for one of my ideas. Um, and then you were like, and then you're in the bonfire with the cultists. So I was like, ah, yeah, no, yeah. That's, yeah. that's not what I was thinking. Certain death is never the way. Never the way. <laughs> but is it certain death? Find out next week. <laughs> we'll see. Shall I uh, take us home, gents? Yes, yes. Sounds great. Thanks very much for listening. You can subscribe to us on your podcast or streaming service of choice, as well as on our website at www.theinfiniteescaperoom.com. You can also follow us and get in touch via Facebook and Twitter at Tia underscore podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, and I really hope you did, we'd be very much obliged if you could leave us a review on iTunes or Facebook, as it's a massive help in reaching new audiences. 
Or if you're feeling particularly saucy and want to join the inner circle, then why not join our Patreon? Head on over to patreon.com slash the infinite escape room, where you can listen to episodes a week early, get a shout out on the show, listen to the raw chaos in our unedited episodes, and if you're really lucky, I'll frolic into the middle of a forest where I'll whisper your name to a tree. Then as the march of progress inevitably comes to chop that tree down, its wood will be made into a beautiful guitar, and whenever the strings are plucked, the wood will sing out to your name for all to hear. We love you lots, and we'll see you next time on the Infinite Escape Room. <laughs> Bye-bye. Ta-ta. Bye-bye. That was beautiful. Oh, stop <laughs> it.